Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Andrew. And after Age of Ultron, I didn't think that I ever wanted to see another Avengers film. Uh, but I have to say, all of the buzz that this film got and everybody talking about it, I was intrigued. And I felt like I needed to go and see it. And I did. And here we are. Wow. What a cliffhanger. <laughs> I thought you were going to reveal. I thought you were going to tip your hand and say that you either hated it or loved it or something oh, like no. that. No, no, I'm keeping you in suspense. Oh man, I don't know if I can take it. This is Phil, your other co-host, and so there's something like 76 characters in this film. I yeah. think I got them all, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I blinked and missed Carrie Coon because I really would have recognized her. I feel if I saw her, I just did not see her at all in this film. Unless she's in makeup. Uh, is this my opportunity to speak? <laughs> yeah, go it for is. It. This is Mike. He's our guest today. He's going to be talking Hello. with us about the, the film. Um, uh, Carrie Coon was the voice of um, Proxima Midnight. Oh, yeah. One of the uh, the four uh, almost nameless and faceless underlings of Thanos. She does the second most talking behind the guy who can, like, move things with his mind. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought it might be the case. Thank you for clearing that up, Mike. Uh, hey, anytime. We're going so to have a good start. <laughs> Yay. Uh, we're going to have a fun discussion about this film, I feel like. Uh, but before we do, I just want to give you the quick overview of how to find us on the web. If you have not already done so, you can find us by going to www.in-the-q. That's the letter q.com. That's our blog. You can find all of our postings there, as well as a comment section where you can leave comments about the podcast or suggest films that you'd like to come on the show and talk about. We'll have you on the show. We'll talk with you about that film. It'll be great. Uh, you can do the same thing on our Facebook page by searching Facebook for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. You can like our page, and then you'll just get everything showing up in your news feed, uh, mm-hmm. including any of the uh, sort of additional materials that we post, uh, which are always a lot of fun. Uh, you can probably, that's the best place to engage us. Um, if you do want to suggest films or, or, uh, engage us in conversation, um, you can also do that on Twitter though, by searching for at ITQ podcast. That's our Twitter handle. Uh, and finally you can subscribe to our podcast by going to any of your local podcast aggregators like iTunes or, um, uh, podcast or overcast or any of those fun things. Mm-hmm. So as I said before, Today's film is Avengers Infinity War. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants, so that's what we use. talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. The 
still exist. Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. I hope they remember you. Peter, by the way. Doctor Strange. Oh, you're using your made-up names. Then I am Spider-Man. Wow, even the trailer never ends. <laughs> wow, even the trailer. Starting off with fighting words. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm coming in hot. Uh, before we, uh, get into this, I just want to tell all of our listeners that, uh, this is going to be a spoiler filled conversation. Uh, we spoke ahead of time and it's going to be difficult to talk about the film. I'm not even going to give you a plot summary at this point in the podcast, because we're going to be talking a lot about the movie and the intricacies of the film. So if you have not yet seen Avengers Infinity War, uh, maybe skip this podcast and come back once you've seen the film. Uh, I also, assure you, it'll be you fun. Doing? You <laughs> haven't seen Infinity War. Also, it's, it's been out two weeks. Dollars. That's yeah. one out of every seven people on Earth. Go see the movie. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, Mike, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks oh, for for coming on, especially at such short notice. Uh, <laughs> can you? <laughs> what are you uh, talking about? This has been in the works for what? How many months? Uh, yeah. Forever. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah my schedule to make this work it's been in the works for 10 years just like uh the entire marvel cinematic universe don't you remember when we all sat around with stan lee and brainstormed this podcast yes yes back when he was only 90 years old he's an old man that's what i'm saying uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, mike uh can you tell us why it is that you wanted to talk about this film on the podcast uh, there's so much to dissect. The short, the shortest way I can put it is that like, uh, like I saw it Thursday night premiere night and uh-huh. because, you know, like I had to go to work the next morning, people were like, how was it? Is it good? And I feel like the truthful answer is that it is too complicated to be good or bad. <laughs> and if a film can't be good or bad, it can only be interesting. It's worth talking about. Uh, I, that's a... I think that's a very fair assessment of the movie. Um, And I think when you say too complicated, I I think both in terms of the intricacies of having to pull all of the, you know, up to this point, Marvel movies that have been made with the exception of what (laughs) Ant-Man. Right. Yeah. Pulling them all into one narrative thread. Uh, But also just, the fact that when you have a movie with 76 characters or however many it is, you, there's too, there's too much to really like spend the kind of time that, uh, some of the other, uh, individual films about the individual heroes can spend. Um, Yeah. That was my whole thing heading into the movie. And I posted this as a Facebook status. So I apologize to anyone who's Facebook (laughs) friends with me for repeating this. Um, 
but it like going into the movie that was my whole curiosity is just like how even if you don't like superhero movies if you don't like any marvel movies aren't you the least bit curious to see how they structure a movie with literally 80 characters in it just from a movie making standpoint yeah yeah i feel like that that kind of curiosity is almost like the de facto reason why a lot of people go to movies like this and 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 shell out the 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 big bucks that it costs to see a movie in the theater these days like is just to see how they do it and yeah you know, this movie is kind of like it's obviously not the the final marvel film but it's almost like the ultimate because they're bringing together so many characters and it they they constantly have to keep topping themselves movie after movie and when I watch this film and, you know, there there's so many heroes, you know, to follow and it is kind of bloated in a way, it's almost like it doesn't really stand on its own that well as a film. And I really feel like it's 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 only going to be best appreciated by people who have been following every Marvel film up to this point. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a fundamental flaw of the film and of this entire idea of a cinematic universe uh, that they, you know, Hollywood is really high on because of course, Marvel is making billions of dollars and everybody else wants to be doing that same thing. Hence we get movies like the mummy <laughs> with, <laughs> with uh, uh, Russell Crowe's Dr. Jekyll is our, uh, <laughs> our, our, our uh, Nick Fury. Uh, but the, this, idea of having a cinematic universe where you all have to always build towards it and, and essentially treating like movies, like they are comic books, I think ultimately kind of narratively neuters your films. I mean, this film is, I cannot imagine that this film would be interesting for someone to watch who like as a standalone film. I am the litmus test, man. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Cause you I've, haven't seen, I've most only of these. seen age of Ultron. I've, I've probably seen like, only five Marvel films total. Yeah, you saw Black so Panther. Saw, you saw yeah. yeah, just saw Black Panther. So I was I was up to date about you know the whole Wakanda deal, but like, I mean, this movie to me it seems like it's almost exactly divided in half, which is a really bad way to divide a film. I think in terms of the story, it's like the first half you've got everybody kind of marshalling together to to have the second half which is this big battle against thanos and i remember i was watching the first half and thinking like this is so like um this is so kind of like messy and and you know it's like you you the movie begins in media res so unless you know what happened in whichever previous film like you're kind of <laughs> playing Thor, catch Thor up. ragnarok would be the best place to have <laughs> yeah, have recently watched which yeah. I didn't see and um, you know but the thing is like the way that the movie kind of won out for me ultimately if I can say that it was a win is that when you know like every character every hero kind of gets introduced in the first half or you get reminded of who they are so <laughs> they, you actually, vaguely and quickly reminded. yeah yeah yeah, yeah remember so this guy here actually, we are remember that guy yeah here we go remember her yeah when you actually do get to see them fight Thanos, um, it's kind of fun at times. Uh, but I just kind of feel like it. you really have to love these characters, I think, just to kind of get through that first half. I don't, uh, everything that you guys are saying, like, I don't disagree with. But to me, I think like 
it, in the age of movies that we live in, it doesn't matter. It's like the closest thing I can think of sure. is like the Super Bowl, right? Like not everyone who watches the Super Bowl is into sports. Not yeah, everyone yeah. is going to be able to go like, oh yeah, their defense has been killer this year or whatever. But everyone who's watching the Super Bowl can get something out of it. And if you're an advertiser on the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter to you how much the audience like cares about any of the players. It's just like you're watching, and that's all I meant. Like it doesn't matter if you're going into the into Avengers: Infinity War. Like I love these characters. Or, like I don't know anything about them. It's like you paid the ticket, and your butt's in the seat. And so it, <laughs> I think that like business wise, it it like it it works because people are going to see it no matter what. And like film wise, like, yeah, I do think they like gloss over. There's just no introduction for any of those characters. Like, it's just like, hello, I'm Captain America. I'm going to start punching now. But like, again, I, for like, even the audience who doesn't know who Captain America is, doesn't matter. They're just going to go along with it. You know, oh, this guy can fly. Cool. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that, I, I think you're right about that, Mike. And, and, and really, you know, I, I've, lamented this on many occasions but these are the movies that have replaced our summer blockbusters right these are all the tentpole films now and for better or worse this is the thing that people will shell out their money whether they've seen everything or not whether they know all the characters or not it's a big spectacle and they know it's a big spectacle and they're gonna go see it with a group of friends or with their significant other or with their family and they're gonna have a good time because of the spectacle of it i mean even if you if you didn't know who any of these characters were there's enough going on there's enough action there's enough explosions to, to entertain yeah it's, anybody. it's a lot of explosions there's, there's a whole lot of explosions in this movie uh so yeah i mean in that regard i mean certainly from a business perspective it's brilliant uh from a storytelling perspective that's where i i think that it it falters and i think that Ooh. it's going to continue Ooh, to okay, falter but but uh, I will say that I think Thanos is a great villain. And as one of my friends said to me, uh, good superhero movies kind of live and die with how good the villain is. Uh, because if, if it's not a believably evil villain, then why do you care? You know, and, you know, it doesn't, if there's no mortal danger, then if there's no stakes, then it's not a very interesting movie. Uh, and I think Thanos is a good villain. I was, I was a big comic book nerd growing, growing up and the infinity gauntlet happened right in that period of time when I was, you know, reading comic books and collecting comic books. And, uh, so I read those comics as they came out and it was great then. And, uh, it was nice to see Thanos realized on the big screen for sure. Uh, and the threat of the infinity gauntlet and the threat of Thanos is substantial and meaningful and existential. And they frame it in very easy to understand terms too. Yeah. You know, you'll know that this many people are going to die. It's not like you're, 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 you're imagining, you know, the people in your life. When you hear that, you're thinking mm -hmm. about everybody, not just the characters in the film. Yeah. It makes you think of the HBO's, the leftovers. Uh, not, that's not really, where Carrie Coon was. That's yeah. where, yeah, that's where Carrie Coon was. Yeah. Uh, so the thing I want to say about like uh, whether or not this is a good story and heroes and villains, I yeah, think yeah. after sitting with the movie for a little bit, the biggest insight I've come across is that I think the coolest thing that they did with this screenplay was that, 
and this is something I think is going to like ripple effect through like future superhero movies. I've never seen a superhero movie where the 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 villain, the the story villain, is the protagonist in the movie. I think Ooh. structurally that's what happened here. Is that like yeah. literally Thanos gets the hero's journey in this film. He is the protagonist in the movie. He he's the one who gets what he wants, and he literally walks off into the sunset at the end of the movie. It's like it's it's a movie about Thanos, and that's why like. I understand when fans are like, oh, none of the heroes really got stories, you know, like Captain America doesn't have a story. It's like, yeah, because he's not the hero of the movie. I know that like we as an audience are conditioned like the superheroes are the good guys and the villains, the bad guy. And like that's still true in this movie, but they frame the movie in terms of like if Thanos were the hero, they're not trying to sympathize with him, but it's like he's the main guy. I would counter your archetypal story uh definition by saying you yes you could say that he's the villain and he's or he's the hero going on a journey or you could use the other flip side of that archetype which is it's a story about a stranger coming to town all right the town versus the stranger Mm -hmm. is the dynamic that they have to kind of wrestle with Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. i mean for sure and and of course if you're using hero in the strictly greek sense it simply means the the person that the the play is about right and you're right it, it is really about thanos and <laughs> and you know you you can feel kevin fag and and uh stan lee kind of pulling the strings because you know that some of these actors contracts are up or they they don't want to keep yeah. working with them you know there there are certain things that they're doing to set up either relaunching some of these franchises or Mm -hmm. uh, getting rid of certain characters because they've reached the end of the storytelling that they think they can do with them. So there's, there's a certain amount of that that's happening, but I don't think that, I think that that's for the savvy viewer who's sort of, you know, been going on this whole journey. And I don't think it interferes with like just the fun of the movie. Yeah. The portion of the audience that is aware that there's already a Guardians 3 filming is yeah. like <laughs> such a small sliver of the audience. Um, I was talking to a friend about this, and he told me about this uh, concept in game theory. And I forget what it's called, but it's basically like the idea of using outside information to solve something that's happening in your game. So like the mm. example he gave me is like, okay, you're solving a puzzle, right? Just like a, a jigsaw puzzle you're not actually going like this piece fits into this piece. You're going like, okay, this is supposed to be a picture of a street in my head. I know what a building looks like. I know that this window is supposed to be square. So I'm going to put these pieces together because I know that out in the outside world, this is what a building is supposed to look like. And that's like, it like reframed how I thought about this movie. It's like, it is kind of unfair that we're judging the movie in terms of like, oh yeah, this, this actor's contract is up and this sequel (laughs) is filming or whatever. It's like, if you do have to take a step back and just be like inside this movie, what is happening and do I enjoy it? Yeah. And I think that for me and, and you know, uh, Phil can attest to the fact that I, I have grown very weary of comic book movies in general. I just feel like they're tired. They're played out. They all feel kind of the same. And there is some of that with this, but I did have a lot of fun watching it despite the fact that I saw this movie from the front row which oh, was no. a bad oh, no. experience. I, I 
I was literally looking up and to the side. I had a pain in my neck at the end of the movie. Ugh. It was it was pretty brutal. Um, so you, you were rushing at the last minute to see it for the podcast. You had to settle for crappy. Front no, rushing. actually, I saw this. I saw this like uh, uh, like Tuesday or Wednesday after it came out. Uh, I went with my friend Zach Cherry, who was actually in the new mm-hmm. Spider-Man Spider- movie. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and uh, he and and uh, and our friend Neil, we all went and like it was it was a fun experience, like like especially like being able to hang out and talk about it afterwards and sort of talk about all of the, the stuff, which my favorite take on the movie thus far came from Zach Cherry, where he said, well, why didn't Thanos just like snap his fingers and make a planet full of bananas so that yeah. everybody could just yeah. eat and and yeah. don't have the, to worry the about it. The logistics of his plan make such little sense <laughs> that, like, I think it's like a testament to the filmmakers that up until the end of the movie, they made us, like, go, you know, I kind of get his point. Even though, like, <laughs> as soon as the credits roll, you're like, oh, wait, he could have just doubled resources. And, or, like, if you call half the population, it'll just double again in a certain amount of time. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. But for that two hours, I was like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're buying into it. And, you know, I mean, not for nothing, but Josh Brolin as um, as Thanos is does a convincingly sort of emotionless sociopathic performance, uh, which you know, I mean, you know, psychopaths, sociopaths don't necessarily have a discernible motivation for why they want to do the terrible things that they want to do, uh, and and so it, it was fun in that way. Incidentally, Josh Brolin is now going to be Thanos and Cable question mark bizarre uh <laughs> that's true this might be a conflict of interest there <laughs> it might be whenever marvel regains the rights to all of the rob liefeld and uh x-men stuff there then that'll be interesting um <clears throat> but yeah i mean the movie in in the end was fun like it was a fun movie it was bombastic it was over the top it was yeah you know it, it had all of those hallmarks of Marvel movies that I sometimes love and sometimes hate, like everybody cracking jokes left and right and all that kind of stuff. Oh, love it. And love it. <laughs> in this, I think it worked better than like, I find, you know, I feel like in the Iron Man movies, it worked pretty well because of the character of Tony Stark, especially the way that Robert Downey Jr. Plays him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like in guardians of the galaxy, it, it works despite the fact that I don't love the guardians of the galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there are characters that can make it work. Um, but I think it worked even better in this context just because not enough people had enough screen time to make it annoying that the same person was constantly, you know, cracking wise the whole movie. Yeah. So yeah, I know what you mean. it didn't, it didn't uh, feel like overbearing. Uh, I, the way I thought of it was like, it feels like the third act of civil war for a whole movie <laughs> Yeah. But in a, in a good way. Like civil war to me was kind of like a, uh, like uh, Phil, did you see Civil War? Uh, is it one of the five that you saw? <laughs> no, but feel free to spoil it. <laughs> uh, so, well, it's just that it ends in a giant uh, battle between all of the, almost all of the Avengers at an airport. It's the big airport battle. It's the last third of the movie, and it's great. And I think that that battle worked, um, and, and the Russo brothers also directed that movie. I think that battle worked because it, uh, it, it it's like you're getting all of the exposition you would get across in any other scene in a movie, but people are also punching each other. So it's like, it's fun to, it's the Pope in the pool. It's like, it's fun to watch, but in between punches, you get those little quips and those little jokes and you're like, 
oh, I kind of get that character now. I understand the character's motivation. There's the line where someone goes like, uh, they're fighting Black Panther, like punching Black Panther, and they're like, I, I don't think we've met yet. I'm Tony or whoever it is. And Black Panther goes, I don't care. And you're like, oh, I understand this character dynamic now. And then they keep punching. And I thought right. that like what the Russo brothers figured out with that third act, and then they extended to this whole movie, which I think is really, really like a smart way to do action, is like the whole movie is punching. It's all just people fighting each other. But those little character quips is like how you get across that press, like, because every character gets maybe 10 lines in the whole movie, you have to get yeah. across so much information. It's so nice for them just, like, crack a joke, and now you get them, and now they can keep punching. I would agree with that. I think that's that's the exact approach that they were most likely going for, because they have a limited amount of time, as you say, to to basically remind everybody who these characters are. And, like, a joke is a great way, of course, to do that, rather than just having like a I don't know what the alternative would be like a tearful back and forth <laughs> where they recount like their childhood traumas or something but you know a joke is a, of course a much better way to bridge the gap so well there was a little I bit think of that's, that that's I, definitely... like Scarlet Witch and Vision kind of had they they didn't really crack wise they were they yeah were, and I yeah. was totally Deeply lost emotional. with those people <laughs> like, what the heck is Paul Bettany doing with all that makeup on like should here's be the funny show? thing you're not missing out on anything. It's not like yeah, it's there's true. a backstory to that that like we all know about. No, that was everything right there in in that movie. Yeah, How they odd. they introduced like from this movie you would deduce that that was like a long storied love affair. Right, it, right. It was not, no, no. They uh, introduced that in what the the end of Age of Ultron or something like that, it was, or even it, later than that. Vision comes to being in Age of Ultron. They kind of get flirty in Civil War, but nothing yeah. explicit. And then everything else is this movie. So yeah. you missed out on nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's really... It, Thank goodness. It's kind of bizarre. It, it was actually a, a weird thing that it was like so like deeply like emotionally wrought for a, mm -hmm. a, like probably the least developed relationship in the entire Marvel Universe. Um, it, was, it was bizarre to me. Um, but, but what you were saying, Mike, about the, like, the quick one-liners and everything... I think, yeah, it held true. And it, you know, there were points at which it like really did gangbusters for me. There was the moment when Thor sort of comes back into the fray after having been missing for a long time. And he says something along the, along the lines of, this is my new friend, Tree, when mm -hmm. he's talking about Groot, uh, which is very funny to me because it was, you know, that's very, a very Thor thing to say, right? So it does remind you. Of course. You, Followed up by I am Groot, I am Steve Rogers, which is like yes. another funny, just like moment of levity that we get in the middle of literally millions of people punching each other. Well, yeah, because it's like it's like a, it's like three character jokes. You've got the this is my new friend Tree. Then you've got I am Groot, which is just funny because all he says is I am Groot. And then you've got I am Steve Rogers who, because Steve Rogers, Captain America, is like so earnest and so straightforward that he would never mm -hmm. imagine that <laughs> this guy was not just introducing himself and saying I am Groot. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, hello Groot. I am Steve Rogers. You know, <laughs> it's it's a good little um, trick that they they pull, and it's it's fun. Um, uh, side note, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Did either of you read uh, James Gunn's tweet about what Groot's last words were? No. This no, is no. heartbreaking. Someone oh, no. asked James Gunn on Twitter, uh, because when they write out the script for all the Guardians movies and in this movie, anytime Groot says, I am Groot, in the script they have what he actually says. They, oh, right, they right. never put the transition ah. on the screen. But it's still that Vin Diesel like, knows what he's conveying. Uh, and the other characters understand it. And so someone asked James Gunn on Twitter, 
what does Groot say at the very end, right before he turns into dust? And he says, dad, because Rocket is looking at him and he says, dad. And then he disappears. And I was like, oh, oh my God, brutal. that is <laughs> heart rent. That's the saddest part of the movie. Yeah. Dad? Yeah. Oh, that's killer. <laughs> that's killer. Uh, I see it in a whole new light now. <laughs> Never mind. The movie's good. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> the pathos. Um, no, I actually, I thought that that moment, you know, that long extended moment when everybody kind of melts into ash was pretty affecting, even for somebody who is not a fan of Marvel movies. I, I at least know who they were and kind of got to know them in a way through the, the beginning and the middle of this film. And it's kind of exciting also to see big characters die. But of course, there's always the the knowledge that they could easily be brought back with a different right. actor. But but seeing, you know, seeing big characters die, it is kind of it kind of hurts like when it happens on Game of Thrones. But at the same time, it's kind of fun and exciting too, knowing that like, wow, they're really they're really committing yeah. to this vision that they have. So I thought that part was was pretty and then the that like musical flourish that happened when they faded to ash, I thought was pretty yeah. cool. So mm-hmm. I thought it was it was interesting. It just it's a this just the structure of this movie, I mean, is just kind of unusual. It's not a typical film. And I it's kind of refreshingly different in that sense. But um but it was kind of well again, speaking as the 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 bystander, like I would be one of those people like standing on the Brooklyn Bridge pointing up at the sky. <laughs> at, you know, Iron Man or whomever. Like, I thought that it was, it was an, it was a compelling film throughout, and uh, just kind of just the sheer kind of star power also made it interesting. And it's kind of it is kind of fun to see Chris Hemsworth go against Robert Downey Jr. go against Chris Pratt, and like the I found especially Chris Pratt's jokes were probably more the most successful for me than any of the other guardians films for some reason, maybe because there was a little bit more pathos involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, as I said before, I still had my sort of comic book movie issues with it. You know, like the whole battle that happens in Wakanda against the quote unquote army of Thanos and the army of Thanos turns out to be just like a bunch of faceless hounds every, kind of a every thing. superhero movie has to end that way and it and it it's just disappointing i i will say it's a little bit better than the kind of uh devastatingly callous age of ultron climax where basically the inhabitants of this poor town that gets lifted into the stratosphere they're basically screwed um so it was nice to have everybody who was at the battle engaged in the battle uh, but, but, it, you know, we, we, there is that sort of overabundance of CGI. Of course, you're going to have it in movies like this. You're going to have a ton of it. Um, and it, it's fine, but it, it also, again, kind of lowers the stakes for me because it feels like they're like, oh, we need an army. Let's just throw a bunch of like CGI hound things at the yeah. enemies to yeah. occupy them for a little while while we try and do this other stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think that the the hounds, and I'm going to stick with this term that you've coined. <laughs> it's very appropriate. The hounds are really just kind of like, okay, we need an insurmountable threat. 
So mm-hmm. let's just, we don't know how many hounds there are, but let's just say there's <laughs> like an impossible number of them. And it's going to keep the Avengers busy for the next 20 minutes at least. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and then it's kind of like, oh, well, we, let's just make it more complicated. So there's more, more stakes. But really, I mean, how, how big are those stakes when, when you come down to it? Like, I think like I, I don't think I ever expected that the, the hounds were going to bring down like the whole affair. <laughs> yeah, no. I think they were just kind of there to kind of do the old rising action, as they say in screenwriting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of the just faceless CGI army of, uh, you know, a, a horde at the end sure, of every super sure. movie, I did think again, I'm sticking to my guns with Thanos being the protagonist of the story, yeah. but like, I, I did think that, like, structurally, that was kind of a fun way to subvert that trope was that, like, you know, people complain that uh, I, I if I didn't watch any of these movies, I don't know who any of these superheroes are. And it's like, yeah, it's 70 superheroes fighting one guy. And, like, that's a it's a fun subversion of the trope of, like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Thor movie, it's Thor versus, like, an army of, like, gray, faceless CGI creatures. In this movie, it's Thanos versus an army of gray, faceless superheroes that we know really well. But it's still just, like, they don't really matter. It's just about Thanos. Right, right. Right, but but you know, from a from a storytelling perspective, I can't help but be disappointed. There's a huge section of this film that is devoted to forging the God Killer axe, mm-hmm. like this this incredible axe. And of course, we get uh, Peter Dinklage as a giant uh, who you know works the forge that creates these weapons for the gods and. You know, we spend all this time restarting the forge and Thor almost dying because he's sort of sacrificing himself to make sure that they can make this weapon. And they spend all of this time in the film doing that. And then literally the end of the film, it doesn't climax in some kind of like epic showdown between Thanos and Thor. It's not... You know, which which it's kind of set up as because the opening scene in the film is picking up, you know, Thor, Ragnarok and Loki and Hulk are all there. And, you know, uh, Thanos does unforgivable things and kills Loki. And, oh, God, you know, this is kind of in a way it's it's also Thor's story. But then when they finally come to their meeting at the end of the film, it's just like. Fuh, 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 thwack hits him in the chest and it's done well but okay so i think that it's maybe just like a little bit more of like thanos is unstoppable it's like a, it, because it does inflict a wound on him like it it almost kills him he's out sure. of breath and his last word is you should have gone for the head it yeah. sounds like even he's admitting like I'm wounded, but I still have all six jewels on this hand and if you hadn't chopped off this hand then like you know so I think it's just one of those things where it's and if you're talking about like payoff for storylines, literally half the characters in that movie have something where it's like I'm gonna, like Drax is like he killed my wife and daughter, I'm gonna kill Thanos right. and uh, Nakamura, um, Karen Gillan, uh, yeah, Nebula, Nebula is like he is a terrible father, I'm gonna kill. Him. Like half those characters have made a personal promise to kill him, and like logistically, only one of them will get that honor at some point. So I think that's just like kind of one of those failures where Thor is like, I'm going to be the one to kill him. And he almost comes close and still doesn't get to do it. What you mean? They're not going to have an ending where all the Avengers are just like 
dogpiling him and kicking him in the teeth and like stomping <laughs> on his head like you motherfucker <laughs> they could make a whole other share. movie it'd be like lady vengeance the park chan wook yeah. film <laughs> where everybody's like, taking their turn did you know that mark says he's gonna direct the new marvel film <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of which i'm really excited about the irishman that's a different conversation though oh yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so i think in the end, I enjoyed this film. I would say more than some of the uh, superhero movies that I've watched. Uh, not as much as something like Black Panther, which did get the opportunity to sort of go more in depth with some interesting characters and really spend mm-hmm. some time with them. This movie isn't that, right? It isn't. It isn't the kind of movie that's really gonna get you to know anybody. It is a spectacle. It is big. It is broad. Mm-hmm. It does help, I think, to have seen a fair amount of the Marvel movies. Um, but it, you know, as we kind of covered, I don't know if it's absolutely necessary because the, the spectacle is still there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Phil, uh, what, what is your, your summary? My summary would be that, uh, you probably don't need to have seen other Avengers movies. Although I don't know why you would start with this one. If you hadn't seen <laughs> the previous two, um, but it's, you know, the, the, the heroes are archetypes and you recognize them from other parts of pop culture. If you haven't seen the films and you, and it's, it's pretty fun and entertaining throughout. And the, the last section when they really do have this kind of all out battle does have some fun moments. And I guess, you know, I mean, the truth is these movies are here to stay at least for the immediate future. And this movie has a, astonishingly high rating and not to mention that the number of votes already is astonishing. So if you're, if you're, if you consider yourself a movie fan, then you, you have to consider these films as well as part of the, the marketplace. Yeah. That is one of my biggest pet peeves when people are like into movies, but they hate superhero. There's, there's, I don't know. There's this weird contingency of people who are like, oh, Marvel movies, those don't count. It's like, what do you, I don't know. Again, <laughs> it's like the Super Bowl. It's like every year you're at a Super Bowl party and some fucking chucklehead will walk in and go like, <laughs> oh, who's winning the sports ball? It's like, we get it, you're cool. You don't like sports, but you don't win points for being cool. Like, yeah. just let us enjoy the participation of the thing. You don't get points for not participating. Yeah, I, I feel like I exist in that in that uh, sort of in-between where I'm like constantly saying, oh, just stop it with the superhero movies. We don't need any more of them. And then I go see them all. Because <laughs> I, I still, like, there's a part of me that really enjoys them still. And there's a part of me that, you know, grew up reading comic books. And I really want to see these characters, like, you know, yeah, and I think that they're, they're because they're because they're popular too. It's like you want to be part of what the zeitgeist is. Like, yes. oh sure, I, I, I sure. so enjoyed it. Like in the past, when when there would be movies that everybody was talking about in town. Like, oh, did you see Memento? Yeah, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. So people want to have that shared experience too. And I think the act of going to the theater is still fun. Mm-hmm. Just people don't do it as often as they used to. And so when they do, they want it to be a, you know gangbusters experience where it's a big budget with huge stars, huge special effects. And that's really all that attention and money is going to superhero movies these days. Yeah. And I think that we're in this increasingly sort of segmented culture where you can kind of choose only the things that you like to consume. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
so people are are sort of becoming stratified and and pushed apart from one another. So when we do have big tentpole movies like this that everybody can go and see and have an opinion on and all of that, I think that it it is one one of the vanishing few opportunities that we have to have a shared cultural experience in a yeah, way that yeah, we yeah. used to have all the time and we just don't really anymore because everybody's sort of disappearing into their own corner of you know media consumption and then they don't ever come out of it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there is, there is something nice about that. Uh, Mike, you have the last word on the film. Anything else you'd like to say about it? Oh boy. I love it. I hesitate <laughs> to say I love it because I don't love it as a film. It's not really a good film. <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> I like you could watch almost any other Marvel movie and it'd be a better film, but I love it because it's, it's audacious. It's doing something that there is no template for. It's not like we can say, like, you know, it was a better 80 character movie. It's like this, this is it. This is what an 80 character movie looks like. And they did it well enough that people are entertained and people are walking away having enjoyed spending their $17 on a movie ticket. And I think that's something really special to like sit there and just bask in. Like we're we're alive for this moment. We get to see this type of movie made for the first time. And I think that's super exciting. It like, even if you don't like it, it's important. And I love it for that. Yeah. I saw your face over there, Phil. Yeah. We pay $17 for our movie tickets here in New York. (laughs) That's, that is our life. That is how it is. So what is that? That's like, uh, that's almost two months of Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the the math. Movie pass is going under. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It's the, it, it actually, I just read a whole article about the fact that movie pass is tanking and, it is because of the big, the big uh, markets, the the cities. Yeah. They they basically haven't gotten very much penetration in rural areas or smaller cities, and they're uh-huh. like, if we could do that, we would be sustained, but we can't do it. So, uh, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on to talk about Avengers: Infinity War. Um, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Hey, it was a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have you on again sometime with uh, with a, another suggestion. I'd um, love to. We like having people back on the show. So uh, oh, yeah. hit us back with a suggestion and we'll, we'll have you on again. Cool. Fantastic. Join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the new film, You Were Never Really Here, which has been getting lauded, much critical acclaim. Uh Though uh, I don't think that the people are flocking to it as they do to something like Avengers, <laughs> uh, but I don't think that's to be expected either. It's, um, a, it's a different different kind of Avenger in this film. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could say that. Uh, thanks again, Mike, for coming on the show, and thanks again, everybody out there, for listening. And we will catch you next time. See you then. Bye.